really is good to be here. Again, my wife is not with me. I haven't seen her for the last uh, about 10 days, I think I've been away. And you can pray for me tomorrow because something very, very exciting is happening. Uh, for the first time ever, they're having at, uh, with all of the armed forces, all of the chaplains within the armed forces, twice a year they get together to be trained. And so in the Air Force and in the Navy and in the Army, they get together and um, they usually have either an Anglican or a Roman Catholic that does the training. But tomorrow, I'm traveling tonight after the meeting to Basingstoke to be at Andover tomorrow to do a two-day training with all of the chaplains within the army. Isn't it that great? So I'm going to have to see Colin afterwards and get some messages ready for tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to do. Isn't this exciting? We can do whatever we want. Phil and Christian are away. What a privilege. (laughs) We could finish now, couldn't we, and get out into the sun. How many things that's a good idea? Uh. (laughs) Yeah, great. I'm I'm going to, where's now, where's um, Nathan? Nathan, I'm going to challenge you, Nathan, to this. You've probably never had a challenge like this before. Have you got the last song already? Got got it all sorted out, last song? Hmm. You might need to change it. What I want you to do, I want you to really listen to the message, and then if you feel that there's a song that is more appropriate to what I speak on, change it. (laughs) And we'll see how the singers and the musicians go with that, all right? Everybody needs challenging now and again, don't they? (laughs) Didn't know I was going to... He's writing writing vigorously down there. (laughs) Don't let Partington come again, he's saying, dear me. It really is a privilege to be here, and I certainly do feel at home. And let me put on record as well what a privilege it is that when uh, two senior guys are away, uh, that they allow someone to come and take this platform and minister the Word of God. I don't take that lightly. You know that I work very, very closely with both Phil and Christian, both here and um, in some other church situations as well, in church planting with Christian, on the national leadership team with Phil, into the situation at Bethshan in Manchester. And so we've got a very, very close connection. But I don't take it for granted the fact that while they're away, they should allow me the privilege of sharing with you the Word of God. And I think you've been actually on a series that deals with speech and with words. And uh, what I'm going to do this morning is give to you probably the four most important words that you can speak when you leave the service today. These four words, as you confess them and speak to them, will have a dual effect. Number one, it'll get rid of any fears that we might have. And all of us have got fears. It could be of heights. It could be of spiders. It could be of a phone call from the doctor. It could be of world events. Uh, There are fears that come to us. But these four words are going to dispel all of your fears. So that's good news. And the other thing is it will cause us to all become what I would say are Barnabases. Barnabas in the scripture was known as the person of great encouragement. And I don't think there's any probably greater gift than being able to encourage another person. So have you got your ears ready? Have you got your hearts open as we come to the Word of God this morning? Father, help me to communicate something, I pray, from the youngest to the oldest, from those that are new, from those that are here many, many times, from those that are Christians and perhaps for those that aren't Christians. May your Word speak to us, I pray, 
in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. In Psalm 112 and verse 5, it says this, that a good man, and let's put woman in there as well, that a good man and a good woman graciously lends. He will guide and she will guide their affairs with discretion, and they will never be shaken. Say, never be shaken. I've got a friend called Alan Hewitt, and he hates it when a preacher gets the congregation to say something back. So whenever I'm preaching at his church, I do it a lot. (laughs) Say again, never be shaken. The Bible says that the righteous will be in everlasting remembrance, and they will not be afraid of evil tidings. Say, not be afraid. Never be shaken, and not be afraid. Verse 8 carries the same thought. When it says his heart is established and he will not be afraid. When you turn over into the pages of the New Testament, one of the most well-known passages is from John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 1. It says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. The story is told of a man and woman whereby the wife was going away on holiday with her sister and leaving the husband at home. Actually, sometimes that happens with myself and Andrea, and she's got an older sister, and she takes her away uh, on one of these little things for a few days, and I'm left at home. Well, the lady rang home after about three days. Uh, She'd probably been speaking in between that, but she said, uh, all the kind of things, you know, the weather, what's it like there, and how's things going, and then she says, oh, and I, I, how's my cat? And the husband says, it's dead. She said, she said, well, I don't think I quite heard there, sweetheart. No, I'm asking how, how, how my little kitten that's grown up to be my little cat, how is it? It's dead. She said, you, 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 can't, just, you can't just tell me that bad news like that. It's dead. She said, you cruel man. Why could you not have told me that perhaps, perhaps it was on the roof? And it began to slip down the roof. Uh, and it held on to the gutter. But it couldn't quite on, hold on long enough. And it fell into the tree. Uh, and then the branch broke and it fell down. Uh, and it died. You cruel man. Sorry, he said. They carried on conversation. After about five or six minutes, she says, and how's my mother? He said, well, she was on the roof. How, how do you go about telling someone some bad news? How do you go about breaking it to them? When's the right time? Now, I'm saying that because actually, although the gospel is good news, the truth of the matter is that we are living in the most significant days in the whole of history. Just over the last number of weeks, we had an EU referendum where Brexit took place And without a doubt, the country was split. Scotland, England, London, split between 
predominantly those that had and those that don't have as much, predominantly between older folk and younger folk. And a lot of people said that actually Brexit is bad news. We weren't really prepared for it. Of course, a a knock-on effect is that we had a new prime minister. As the Tories elected a new prime minister, and in Labour there is much turmoil as who's going to remain or be kicked out of leading that party. It seems that there was a, quite a bit of bad news going on, really, for a lot of people. ISIS continues to terrorize, to bomb, to kill, and to spread fear. North Korea continues to test its nuclear bombs. The USA, they're also going to have a new leader, a new president. And who do you choose? A Clinton or a Trump? Hmm. Actually, I ended my noticing at the last general conference, and so I'm glad to say I thought, well, there's a lot of jobs going these days. <laughs> Prime Minister, leader of the opposition, top gear, President of the United States of America, manager of England. I mean, there was lots going at that time. So we could continue, really, because just within the last two weeks, I mean, we're talking within days, 84 deaths in Paris. Then what was it within the last number of hours? A teenager shoots nine people in Munich in Germany. And I, I don't know how to tell you bad news, but I've just got to tell it you straight and say that the earth... And the days in which we are living, there seems to be a tremendous shaking going on. In the Bible, there is a Hebrew and a Greek word for the word shaking. It's a Bible word. The Greek word actually carries with it the idea of agitation. It's if you sit next to someone and you start to shake them and continue to shake them and shake them. And it also carries with it the idea of making things insecure. A shaking makes things insecure. The the word picture that goes with it is this. Imagine a boat in a marina or in a harbor, and suddenly there's a tremendous storm, and the winds become violent. It shakes the boat. It agitates that boat, even though it's anchored But the storm is so great that the anchor is lifted and the boat then drifts out into the darkness and into the seas that are dark and unknown. That's what a shaking really is all about. My conviction is this, that the Bible says that there are some last days that people are going to be living in when the shaking begins to intensify. There's always been wars and rumors of wars. There's always been problems and difficulties. And in a day when when one thing happens on one part of the earth, within a matter of minutes it can be known and reported upon in another part. I know that that has happened. But nevertheless, surely there isn't one person here 
who could deny that the days in which we have been living, even within the last weeks, has been unprecedented, certainly in my lifetime, with all of the upsurge and the difficulties that have been taking place. The shaking intensifies, the storms seem to be getting more violent, and the politicians, they do not have any answers. And so what happens is this. A fulfillment of biblical prophecy begins to take place, and men's hearts begin to fail them through fear. There is no answer. And yet I read to you earlier that a good man and a good woman deals graciously and lends. They will have their affairs with discretion and they will not be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance and they will not be afraid of evil tidings. <laughs> but read the newspaper. I... I stayed at a hotel last night, so I got a free newspaper. I read the headline. Read the newspaper. Watch the TV. Listen to the news reports. Open your eyes to what is happening locally, nationally, globally. The events all indicate that the shaking is going on. Such shaking, men's hearts are beginning to fail them through fear. They have no answers. There's dismay. There is hopelessness. The Bible says this, that as you see an intensity of the shaking taking place, lift up your heads, because Jesus is coming again. I said, Jesus is coming again. It's something that is not very often preached these days, but I stand here as one that declares it and believes it, that we need to stand on this glorious truth that there is one in heaven who has died on the cross. He's risen from the grave. He's ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father on high. And one day he's coming back triumphantly through the clouds to this earth. Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. And the glorious thing is this, that nothing is catching him by surprise. My Bible tells me that God is love and perfect love casts out all fear. My Bible tells me that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. My Bible tells me that the grave has been defeated. My Bible tells me that no weapon formed against me is able to prosper. My Bible tells me that Christ is far above all principalities and powers. My Bible tells me that the shaking, it comes to pass when Jesus returns to the earth again. Hallelujah. And so therefore, we can become a Barnabas today, that as we leave this place, we can encourage one another with these four glorious confessions, or four glorious words of one confession, Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. And no matter what the politicians say, no matter what the terrorists might do, no matter what the news reports might report upon, we can stand firm, fearing not, absolutely unshaken, because Jesus is coming again. Will someone say amen? amen. Hallelujah. 
See, uh, there's Bible scholars that are in the room. And when we're at Bible college, we're taught on a subject called eschatology. It means it's the doctrine or the teachings of the last days. And I'll be absolutely honest, I wasn't much good at Bible college. And when it came to eschatology, I even have to look it up now how to spell it properly. I'm not too sure where everything fits in. Some people are pre-millennial. Some people are amillennial. Some pe- I tell you what I am. I'm a pan-millennialist. You say, John, I haven't come across that one. Well, I believe it's just going to pan out all right in the end. I- I- I'm not too sure of all of the order, but I do know this. There is one that is totally sovereign. And although I might not have all of it down like this, I await that day when Jesus returns to the earth again. You see, the Bible teaches it. Jesus told of it. The early disciples waited for it. And every single Christian ought to be believing in it that Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. So, in the light of that, in the light of the fact that the shaking is happening, that there's fear on every hand, people don't know where we are safe these days, in the light of that, what should that cause us to do? We know that if God be for us, then who can be against us? But how should we live our lives in these days in which we're living? And I've jotted down uh, just a few of them, and I'll just throw them out there for you, and then we'll pray, and then we're going to have a song that fits in with the second coming, aren't we, Nathan? He's nodding. Good old Nathan. Number one. Number of things that I think we ought to do in the light of this shaking that's happening and the confession that Jesus is coming again. We ought to redeem the time. In other words, that means we ought to buy up the opportunity. Redeem is a, is a, um, it's a legal term. Now, do I look happy today? I usually look happy, but I should look extra happy today. Why do you think I should look extra happy today? None of you have got a clue. Pardon? Because I'm in Ilkeston. Brilliant. Brilliant. I'm happy because I'm in Ilkeston. I'm happy because Liverpool are going to win the league this year. Uh, I'll tell you why I'm happy. Because this month, (laughs) this month, so my wife tells me, we make our final payment on our house mortgage. My mortgage will be redeemed. Hallelujah. Oh, what a day. I'm gonna, oh, I don't know when she's making that payment, but I'm, I tell you this, I might give her an extra kiss. That's how, that's how exciting this is. Redemption. It buys. Now, the Bible says that we are to redeem, we are to buy back every single opportunity that we have. I think the last time I was with you, I was here for a Tuesday afternoon and a Tuesday night, and I think I mentioned then the the brevity of life. And it certainly is brief. Our lives are but a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. How we, we ought to redeem the time. I had, um, I'm not going to tell you who it is. I was sitting talking to a very, very well-known, 
worldwide, not, not even this country, worldwide leader of a church, leader of a mega church, thousands upon thousands upon thousands. And I was sitting down and I was talking to his wife. And in this conversation that we had, it went a bit deeper than the normal nice weather, good fish and chips, how are you? When, when, we began to talk about things and suddenly her eyes filled up with water. And this is what she said to me. She said, John, I think I have and am only living at about 10% of my God-given potential. This is a pastor's wife in a mega church. And she felt saddened because of the containment that people put her in and because of being unable to express all that God had given to her, she was living at 10% of her God-given potential. Can I say something to us? In the light of the days in which we live in, don't live at 10% of your potential. Don't live at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, or even 95. Determine that you are going to live 100% for the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're going to buy up every single opportunity that comes your way. If you're in a sauna and somebody asks what you do or what your hobby is, then you can tell them about Jesus. You can find that you're in the garage filling your car up with petrol. You can find that you're sitting down having a meal and on the next table somebody gets talking to you. There are opportunities after opportunities to what? Shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in some super spiritual way. I'm just talking about in the days in which we're living, surely we have got to buy up the opportunity because Jesus is coming again. Redeem the time. The second thing that I jotted down is this. It ought to cause us to long for genuine holiness. Now, you don't hear a lot of preaching or teaching on that these days. Uh, And I'm not talking here about some super spiritual, big Bible, big grin. Hello, hallelujah, praise the Lord, glory to God, hallelujah, how are you, praise the Lord. Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that kind of a super spiritual. You see, biblical holiness is not just coming away from something. It's going into something. It's not just a negative thing of, uh, of coming out of the world situation. It's coming in to things pertaining to the Lord Jesus Christ. Holiness is a very positive thing. Uh, it, it's something whereby we just say, God, today, can I live for you holy? And can I just make right choices, say right things, think right thoughts, When I don't do that, please come, help me, convict me. But Lord, I want to live a holy life for you. (laughs) I'll tell you what's going to affect Ilkeston and Mansfield and around this area. It's people that are buying up the opportunity and living holy lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. In the light of the knowledge that Jesus is coming again. The third thing is this. In the light of Christ coming again, I think we ought to keep an eye on world or global events. I often talk about the men of Issachar who understood the times in which they were living and knew what Israel should do, the tribe in the Bible. But you know, you and I, if we are Christians, we ought to bury our heads in the sand. 
We ought to, to know what's happening meteorologically. Weather conditions, they can be an indicator of the second coming of Christ. They can play a part in the shaking that is going on. To to know what's happening politically in the Middle East, with ISIS, with North Korea, with Iraq, with Turkey. Uh, Keep an eye on it. Don't bury your head. Be people that are knowledgeable on world events. In the way of business, I'm not saying that we all ought to become stockbrokers and understand everything. But we ought to understand what is happening in the world of business and in the world of the monetary system. We ought to know what is happening in the religious world, what's taking place today. We certainly ought to know what's happening. Morality. It's never, ever been lower. I have never, ever known a time when morality is where it is right now. Now listen to what I say, and I suppose it's being recorded. But child sacrifices do take place. And we bury our heads and we close our ears. And there are things that take place that are such an abomination that we live in our little happy, clappy world. We come, we raise our hands, and we dance around a bit. All fantastic, and I'll do it more than any of you. But also, there's a real world out there. There's people that are living in houses and behind closed doors. There's all kinds of immorality that goes on. And it's on the increase. We're living in a time when anything goes, providing it doesn't affect anybody else. The trouble is, it does affect other people. And I don't subscribe to the philosophy that says anything goes if it doesn't affect anybody else. Actually... The older I get, I find that things do become black and white. Although, of course, there are gray areas. Of course, there are those things that we we have like that. But when it comes to things of morality, let's be aware of it. There are a thousand and one other things that we could mention here. But will you just keep a watchful eye on what's happening round about? And then you'll be able to move around fearless but encouraging one another with these words. words, Jesus is coming again. I'll give you a couple more and then I'll pray. Be eternally minded and not earthly minded. I drive a nice car. I live in a nice home. But we have to be very, very careful that we've got a hold of money and that money hasn't got a hold of us. We have to realize that these days that actually we own nothing at all. We are the stewards of those things that God has given us to look after, but we own nothing at all. Next, uh, not not tomorrow, but a week on Monday, we're going for a week's holiday to Lithuania. Why Lithuania? I have not the foggiest one in Lithuania. I don't even know where it is, let alone where I'm going, but but I've got a friend out there, and he says, he'd built built some buildings, and he says, come and stay in one of my buildings. So we said, yes, where is it? Lithuania. Oh, tell me, okay. So we've got a house that's empty. And about, uh, about a month ago, five weeks ago, I was sitting around the table of a, a pastor and they were talking away. And they said that they couldn't afford a holiday this year. You know, it was just the way that it was going. The kids are growing up. and Let me tell you, it doesn't get any easier the older they get. Forget this idea. It's when they leave the house, you, you know, you're going to be better off. Well, that's a false heresy. I'm going to tell you. 
Read the book of Ezekiel. It tells you in there. I'm telling you, it tells you. That went over your heads, but never mind. Uh, where was I? So, so I sat down and I was talking, and I said, I'll tell you what, look. We live by a marina, actually, um, down south of Bristol. And so I said, well, why, why don't you come to our house? And they said, could we? And so, as a steward, I have just told you, have I mentioned that my mortgage is paid this? Have I mentioned? <laughs> I just realized, I never linked the two, but it's good, I'm telling you, there's a link there, you see. But actually, we said, well, look, if you want, you and the kids can come and stay in our house for that week. And there's lots to do round by where we live. You know, we ought to be able to do that more and more. We, 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 we don't want to hold on to things. As you let things go, you actually find, like you testified regarding finance, you gain even more. In these days in which we're living, please, please, don't become materialistic, but become more heavenly-minded. Prioritize correctly. Desire to be full of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Bible talks about, doesn't it? The parable of the ten virgins, and they all had their lamps, and five were filled with oil, a type of the Holy Spirit, and five weren't. When the bridegroom came, then, of course, five were ready and five weren't. I wonder if I was to come around and ask you, have you got oil in your lamp? Are you, are you full of the Holy Spirit today? Have you, have you been filled? As you walk out onto the streets, is it that there's something about it that will just, you know, cause other? Are you ready? What for? Jesus is coming again. So we draw it towards a real close. And I would say the last seventh thing that I've jotted down, just quickly in thinking about the world events of what's happening, this shaking, and in the light of Christ coming again, it ought to cause us to desire to get wisdom. The Bible says that wisdom is supreme. Wisdom causes you to live right and make right choices. It causes you to love much. It causes you to love God and the lost and those that are in your life. It causes you to lead well, knowing when to speak and when to remain silent. It causes you to laugh often because laughter is a great, great medicine. Actually, it was Charles Schultz that said, don't worry about the world coming to an end. It's already tomorrow in Australia. But I'm not sure what he really meant by that. Think about it. I'm going to read something to you. We have taller buildings but shorter tempers. Wider motorways but narrower viewpoints. We spend more but we have less. We buy more but we enjoy it less. We have bigger houses and smaller families. More conveniences but less time. We have more degrees, but less common sense, more knowledge, but less judgment, more experts, but more problems, more medicine, but less well-being. We have multiplied our possessions, but reduced our values. We talk too much, but lie too often. We've learned how to make a living, but not how to live life. We've added years to life, but not life to the years. We've been all the way to the moon and back, but can't cross the street to help a neighbor. We write more, but learn less. We plan more, but accomplish less. We have higher incomes but lower morals. We have more acquaintances but fewer friends. These are times of fast foods and slow digestion, tall men and short character, steep profits and shallow relationships. These are times of world peace but domestic warfare, more leisure and less fun, more kinds of food but less nutrition. These are days of two incomes but more divorce, of fancier houses but broken homes. 
It is a time when there is much in the shop window and nothing in the stockroom. Signs of the times. And yet today, how do I tell you about bad news? I'll tell you it as it is. But I don't leave you there. Because what I want you to do is to realize this. That with our tongues, we can make a good confession as we go from here. We can use just four words to bring tremendous encouragement to one another. In fact, can I just say this to you? Before you leave this building... My, I'm losing weight as I preach today, I tell you that. <laughs> dear me, it's either a hot message or a hot in here, dear me. But before you, before you leave this building today, make sure to at least three people, you say to them, Jesus is coming again. And as you hear those words, as somebody speaks it to you, then realize that no matter what is happening roundabout, no, no matter what shaking is going on, no, no matter what the turmoil, our hearts needn't fear at all. Because we're a people that believe Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. Please bow your heads in a word of prayer.